0: hello thanks for stopping by liberty for her where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own i'm your host netta jones we're here to listen learn and liberate dreams one episode at a time Liberty listeners, welcome to this third episode in our six-part mini-series. I hope you've had time to listen to the first two episodes and dig a little deeper into creating your ideal business and getting to know your industry and competition. This week, we're going to focus on getting to know your potential customer, aka your target market. This episode will guide you to better understand them and their habits and ultimately give them what they really, really want and that's a nod to all you Spice Girl fans. But just like any relationship, it can't be one-sided. So we'll take a look at how your target market will get to know you and fall in love with you and your business. Everything from the name of your business your color palette and the images that appear on your website and social media need to be taken into consideration when communicating with this target market. We often call this collection of elements your brand, but a brand is about more than colors, logos, and fonts. It's about the way your consumer sees you and the way you make them feel. It's about their relationship with you. And in order to build a brand that attracts the target market you're aiming for, you need to first get to know them. Focusing on this specific group will facilitate other business decisions like pricing your product or service or finding the location they are most likely to frequent and appealing to their tastes and habits. The objective here is to separate the group most likely to be interested in your product or service from the entire group of people who might be interested. Clearly, the work you do here will dictate many of your future decisions, so take some time and be really thorough. Once again, you're going to need to make some assumptions here to kickstart your research. A helpful hack is to assume that something is either true or not true about your audience and then find the research to support your theory. It's so much easier to ask Google a specific question rather than to compare and contrast. For example, if you assume that your target market is made up of women 18 to 35 who earn $60,000 per year... It's your job to find the facts to prove those statements are true. Take a look at your competition for clues. If you want to open a retail floral shop, for example, make sure that you're visiting the ones you like and the ones you don't like. Check out the customers at both locations and take note of the differences between them. Let's use the example of a brick and mortar flower shop that specializes in cut flowers to guide you through this next exercise. First, ask how many potential buyers of your product or service exist. In this example, let's assume there are approximately 20,000 households, let's say, and they're all within a five-mile radius of your potential location. And the average household income is around $75,000. The second thing I want you to do is consider your ideal customer. Who is he or she? For example, Is he a creative person who loves to decorate and wants to arrange his own floral designs with hard to find flowers? Or could she be a busy, sophisticated working mom who wants to see and purchase a finished bouquet of flowers? In this example, people who pick up pre made bouquets for $20 at the local grocery store are likely not to frequent your store. Therefore, they're not your ideal customer. Yes. They are within your audience, but they're not your ideal customer. The third thing I want you to do is what percent of the total market does your target market make up? For example, based on analyzing the competition, and I mean literally stalking other flower shops, our research shows that most of the customers who frequent our competition are, let's say, women between the ages of 30 and 55. These women tend to make most of their purchases during the day, so we can assume, given their shopping hours, that many of them are non-working, possibly stay-at-home mothers. Remember, we're gathering research and making assumptions here. Lastly, given the price that our competition charges, we can assume that discretionary income of these women is greater than the $75,000 average that we talked about Our next step may be to find how many households of the 20,000 are closer to maybe 200,000 in household income. That income bracket may be more likely to afford our pricing. We just need to know how many of those people are within the five-mile radius of our potential location. Fourth, once we do the math, we ask ourselves, are there enough consumers to sustain this business? If not, you may want to expand your target market to consider other businesses. For example, you could sell your flowers to hospitals, funeral homes, hotels, or offices. And if you're still running into an audience too small to sustain a business, you may want to consider changing your pricing or your product offering. Keep in mind, a lower price often means you need to sell more units depending on your margin. And a higher price means fewer people can afford it. And lastly, number five, where does your potential customer shop? For example, with only three floral shops in your local area, consumers are limited to two franchised flower shops that carry not so fresh or interesting seasonal varieties or the higher end floral shop that creates pre arranged bouquets that caters to a more traditional client. Once you have this information, you can identify where you fit in based on what your target audience is missing and looking for. Okay, now let's dig a little deeper and find out more about who you're targeting. Professional marketers look at two components in an audience the demographics, and the psychographics. While this might sound like marketing lingo, these are important aspects of your customer and it's imperative that you understand them. First, let's look at demographics. Demographics are simply the study of describing the characteristics of a specific population. In this case, it's your future customer. What are some of the characteristics that define your target market? Who are they? Where are they? How much do they have to spend? And what are they spending it on? Answering these questions will help you gather important information about the people and the geography that make up the population you're going after or the demographic you're going after. Here are a few questions to ask when creating the demographic profile of your target market. What's their age range? So let's say 20 to 40. What's their income range? What's their level of education? Do they own a home or are they renters? What's their employment status? What type of careers are they in? What's their marital status? Do they have children? What's their geographic location? What's their race or ethnicity? How much do they spend annually on the particular product or service you're offering? Okay. Now let's shift to psychographics to better understand how your target market thinks, feels, and behaves. Here are a few questions to ask yourself when creating your psychographic profile. What sentiments guide their decisions? Make sure to include their perceptions of things like customer service. How do they feel about shopping online versus brick and mortar? What's important to this group? What are their perceptions of your product or service? What's important to this group relative to your product or service? What habits have they developed relative to your product or service? What do they need or want from you? How do they make buying decisions and what current trends are influencing them? How do they feel about customer service? How do they feel about the internet and even email? If it's a brick and mortar business, it's important to know how to communicate online with them how savvy are they when it comes to the internet and social media? This is really important if your customer is under eight or over 70. And the last thing I want you to do after gathering all this information is try and identify this group in three words. you've done the work of getting to know your target market, it's time for them to return the favor. The trick here is getting them interested in you. Communicating who you are and what you're all about to your target market is what branding is all about. Your brand is the personality of your company. Your brand makes people feel or think a certain way about you or even themselves. It's the experiences others have when they think of your company. Remember, your company's identity needs to be evident in everything you create, whether it's your website, marketing materials, your social media, your logo, your colors, your fonts. Make sure all of these elements are things that are identifiable. And don't forget to make sure that everyone who comes in contact with your brand knows exactly what you stand for. So let's look at your brand identity. Here are three questions I would encourage you to ask yourself. One, how do you want others to feel when they encounter your brand? Two, what do you want them to say or think about you? And three, what message do you want them to pass along to others regarding your company? For example, we can't look at the Nike logo and not think about getting healthy, about an active lifestyle, and of course, about just doing it. There are plenty of other choices for athletic gear, but this particular brand makes us feel empowered. Okay, let's move on. The next exercise is to understand your company's core values. And here are four questions you can ask yourself. What does your company stand for? What are you ultimately trying to accomplish? What values are important to your company? And lastly, What change do you want to bring out as a result of your company's influence? For example, when we think of whole foods, we think of organic food that's good for us and that's beneficial to farmers and even our environment. They sell groceries just like many others, but they're doing it in a very specific way for a specific customer and having a specific impact. Another thing to consider when building your brand is the name of your business. Now, many people do this before doing their target market homework, but I recommend doing it after you know who you're talking to so that your name can appeal to them. Don't underestimate the name of your company. Naming your business is like naming a baby, only a little more difficult. The name needs to be simple, easy to remember, descriptive of your business if possible, catchy, and for the sake of a URL and social media, easy to spell. To get your creative juices flowing, I recommend making a list of potential names and saying them out loud. Get others to give you feedback. Ask them what they think your company sells or how the name makes them feel. Here are a couple things you can do to brainstorm a business name. One, list words associated with the product or service you plan to provide, like apparel, design company, office goods, Two, list words that tell us something unique about your product or service, like girls' dresses made in England, graphic design for the restaurant industry, candles' scents that are made to calm you through your workday. Now listen to some of the examples we came up with as a result of this brainstorm. For the girls' dresses made in England, tea party children's apparel. For the graphic design company for the restaurant industry, table for two graphic design, and for the candle sense to calm you through your workday, the tranquil desk aromatherapy. What do these names conjure up in your head? Who do you think the target audience is when you hear these names? If the store anthropology had done this, we can imagine them considering a woman who's well-traveled, down to earth, a woman who wants to look like herself and doesn't want to shop from a cookie cutter retail, This word or similar words may have emerged when they considered their niche and their customer. Or let's go back to the Whole Foods example. Let's say Whole Foods had done this exercise. They may have listed the actual term Whole Foods to describe what they were selling and then realized they were talking about the whole cycle of food. Remember we talked about the environment and farmers being impacted or that they are offering a person whole nutrition everything they need for their healthy diet. See how this all works together? It's a great exercise, and I want you to have fun exploring names and feel free to try out a name for a week or so. It may take a minute for it to really stick. Now, once you've decided on a few names, ask yourself these questions. One, is it easy to understand and pronounce? Two, have you checked the availability of the URL? You can always go to GoDaddy.com to look for that. Three, look for social media handles. Does anyone else own this name? And four, make sure the name is not already taken by doing a name search on Google and a trademark search at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. You can go to www.uspto.gov backslash trademarks backslash search to check that out. If it's owned, consider a slight change or a slight addition. You may not need to go back to the drawing board. Now, as I said earlier, your company brand is a collection of all the images and ideas that represent you and your business and your company logo is another element in this collection. The symbols, font, and color palette help others to identify and connect with you. But before you hire a graphic designer to create your logo, I recommend two things. One, a vision board. Collect symbols that you're attracted to from other brands. See what they have in common. See what's sort of pulling you toward them. And then choose things that inspire you and are not too complicated. Most of all, select images that represent who you are and the target market you want to attract. Now... After you create your vision board, take out a sheet of paper and create three boxes or more if the ideas are flowing. In each box, sketch a logo that takes into consideration one specific attribute of your brand. For example, let's say you're a public relations agency that caters exclusively to food companies and the name of your company is Edible Public Relations. Now, Since I can't show you, I'm going to do my best to explain what each of these designs could look like. In the first box, maybe you have a fleur-de-lis and the name Edible Public Relations is written in a formal script. In the second box, it might say Edible PR in a serif font with an outline of a tomato. And in the third box, there's a single wheat stem with the word edible in big bold letters. And in smaller letters, right underneath that, the words public relations. It's easy to see how each of these logos would appeal to a very different customer or target market. And it's my job to determine which is the best fit to communicate who we are as a brand. Okay. I know I've given you a lot of homework, lots of exercises, lots of questions to answer. But I've got one more, and actually this is my favorite one. I call it your avatar or fictitious character story. I want you to describe your target customer by using the demographic and psychographic information you've gathered. But I want you to, to but I want you to go a little bit further. Give your avatar a name, a gender, an age, an address. List their likes and dislikes, the books they read, the radio stations they listen to, the shows they watch, the vacations they take, the food they eat, the friends they hang out with. List items on their wish list or their bucket list. List their problems. Once you've gathered as much about them as possible, ask yourself if this is the customer you had in mind. How do you think your avatar feels about your product or service and the decisions you've made about your brand? Building this avatar will give you a frame of reference for every decision you'll make. And you can always go back and add more to his or her story. So there you have it. Questions to help you get even more clarity about your audience and get your brand ready for prime time. I hope you found this information to be helpful as you continue to work closer to launching your venture. And I hope you'll meet me back here next week for our fourth episode in this launching series. Until then, have a great week. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google podcast and more if you like what you've heard please subscribe rate and review liberty for her on apple podcast it helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures liberty for her is produced by netta jones and elizabeth joy windham and music by jordan flower